Welcome to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome to The Good Life, encouraging you with inspirational stories to share with family and friends with perspectives of hope through Jesus Christ. How does God take a boy in New York with a younger brother who was sick most of his life and whose parents didn't have a lot of money? How does he become a Harvard Medical School professor? How does that same professor become the founder of a program that inspires and trains inner city high school students to one day become medical doctors? This is the story of Dr. Alfonso Brown, whose life as a mentor is a reflection of Jesus and his disciples. We pause to remind you the reason we have the Good Life radio program is to share how the love of Jesus Christ makes a difference in the lives of people. I'm talking about the love of Jesus so strong that he died on the cross for your sins, that Jesus... uh, shed his blood on that cross to wash your sins away. He was buried, yes, but three days later, he rose again from the grave. And today, the living Christ, who has touched the heart and life of Dr. Alfonso Brown, reaches out to you. Will you turn to Jesus? Will you turn to God's way from your way? That's called repentance. Will you open your heart to Jesus? That's our prayer. My friend, if you know the Lord, hey, here at The Good Life radio podcast, you're going to be inspired by this story. Dr. Alfonso Brown is a professor and clinical researcher in gastroenterology at Harvard Medical School. His practice is at Cambridge Health Alliance, a Harvard teaching hospital. He runs a clinical addiction practice and the New Beginning Health PC. He is the founder of ICANN Pathway to Medicine Program. He is on the advisory council of UA Safe Schools. He graduated from Harvard Medical School with residency at Brigham and Women's Hospital and did his fellowship at the University of Pennsylvania with a master's in biostatistics and epidemiology. Dr. Brown, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me, Doctor. I mentioned New York. Where in New York did you grow up? I grew up in the Flatbush section of Brooklyn, um, which is an area at that time and still today known for having a large uh, group of immigrants primarily from um, areas within the Caribbean. What was it like for you growing up there? Well, it it was really a microcosm of um, what it would have been like to grow up in the Caribbean because um, my neighbors were from um, the various islands in the Caribbean, Haiti, Puerto Rico, um, and Dominican Republic, um, Bermuda, the Bahamas, Trinidad and Tobago. Um, and so it was a very diverse um, culture in addition to you know, native-born Americans. Um, so I, I credit my, my youth for um, teaching me um, to respect um, the various ethnicities that were around me. I was taught, I like to say, like Joseph had a technicolor 
Dreamcode, I had a Technicolor group of individuals who helped to shape me and mold me into the person I am today. You mentioned the people around you, shaping you. Who would you say influenced you most in your growing up years? Well, that would have to be my parents. Um, my mom and my dad um, underwent tremendous sacrifice to um, enable myself and my siblings to come to this country and to have a chance at a better life. My father was a, a nurse, um, a psychiatric nurse. He trained and gotten his degree in Jamaica. And my mother was a school teacher. Um, and they both were professionals and gave up those careers to come here. Um, my father, at, at that time, it was in the early, early 70s, was not able to continue his nursing practice here. And at one time, he was um, cleaning areas and doing what we would call janitorial services. Um, I remember he told me one time at Columbia Presbyterian, and he so impressed the physician staff there, they asked him why was he doing that. And he knew it was a sacrifice for his kids. My mom gave up her career as a teacher um, because one day she came home. She'd initially worked for Con Edison, which was the uh, utility, the large utility that's um, New York. And um, she found that the diapers and the food that she'd left for my sister and myself, we were the only two here at that time, uh, they weren't provided to us. We were soiled and hadn't eaten anything. So uh, she made a tough decision to give up her career. She's still alive, both my mom and my dad. And she sometimes has regrets, she, she says, but I, I try to, to tell her that I would not be here, neither any of us. And every time I see a patient, every time um, someone says that their lives have been touched um, by the work that I do, I tell her that it's a continuation of the hopes and dreams that her and my dad had. And the sacrifice that they show me, it lives through me. So that's why I want to continue that legacy, and that's what I've taught my children as well. We've got to come back to that, and we will. Yeah. Take us on your journey of faith. How did you become a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, interestingly enough, it, it started when I was a teenager. I was about 17 years old, 16, 17. And there was a woman within our community, which we called her Sister Thomas. My brother, the one right after me, almost sort of like the biblical term, he invited me to a Bible study that they had. And he said, you've got to come and, and hear what she says and, and this group. And, and the backstory with the group is that I used to break dance when I was younger. I was really into hip hop culture. And my friends in the breakdancing group, all of them stopped breakdancing and started going to this Bible study. And I went there and I would witness, these were like, you know, kids who were streetwise and tough and they'd be crying and, and uh, the Spirit of God would be present. And we were learning about the Bible and I didn't really understand all the details of what God was showing me at that time. But I was so, I knew there was something different and dramatic. I actually went through a lot of turmoil. I think my parents at one point were concerned that I might have been in a cult or something like that. And I said no. And in retrospect, I see that my father was preparing me for what was going to come because those lessons that I learned, um, Sister Thomas taught us about the Bible. We had weekly Bible study. And at that time, the other thing that we were up against was the crack epidemic, which 
had started to take place, and some of our friends actually got caught up in it, started dealing drugs, um, were killed, and the neighborhood changed almost overnight. But I felt that God protected us, and I was able to go to college, and that's when I said the lessons that I had started to learn there began to manifest themselves. It was that Christian background that kept me from going straight in college, which a lot of people did. You mentioned something about your 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 father was preparing you. Yes. Now, when you speak of your father preparing you, are you speaking of your earthly father or your heavenly father? My heavenly father. Your heavenly father yeah. was preparing you. Yeah. God is, is my heavenly father, Jesus Christ, my brother, my master, and the spirit of God, my leader, my teacher. Those three. My earthly father and my earthly mother represent um, God's stewardship on this earth. He's given them the responsibility of stewarding me and taking care of me and my, and they set a tremendous example. But all things created in my mind come from him. So when I refer to I'll, I'll make it clear <laughs> for it, but it's my heavenly. I, I love him so much, I just call him my father. Your father. Yeah. Between your birth to 17 year, before you met Sister Thomas, did you experience anything in your childhood that predisposed you to the work that you do today? Yes. Um, I wanted to be a football player. <laughs> I was told I had that bill. And I remember watching, uh, it was O.J. Simpson, <laughs> um, when he, he crossed the 2,000-yard threshold. I told my dad, I said, I want to do that. And my father said to me, my earthly father, <laughs> my dad, he said, uh, no, um, I want you to study medicine. And I was a little disappointed. I didn't understand why. And he said to me at that time, medicine is a universal skill. There's no season with it, and you can go anywhere in the world and, and do that. And he didn't force me. He just gently encouraged me. But what I found out was over the years, my earthly father was always working in the background along with my mother. There was a time I was going to get a scholarship to go to a school, and it wouldn't have been the right fit. He got sought advice, and then he, he sort of pushed me away from that, and I didn't do it. Um, he would help with the things that I was exposed to. And both he and my mother set a very high standard so that we didn't allow anything that was happening in the streets to come into the household. Felt it would be disrespectful to our parents and the sacrifice that they made. And so we maintained that, and that helped keep me focused. When I look at it now, I see it was the hand of my Heavenly Father again, guiding, directing, keeping me out of trouble, um, preventing me from taking risks that would have led to bad outcomes. You're listening to Dr. Alfonso Brown. Dr. Brown is a professor and clinical researcher in gastroenterology at Harvard Medical School. I want to give you this website. Catch this now. We're going to talk more about it when we come back. I can pathway to medicine program.com. Again, I can pathway to medicine program.com. When we come back, we're going to talk about his journey to medical school. Why gastroenterology? Who were the mentors that inspired him as a doctor? And what was it about these mentors that so left an impression on him 
and led him to a seed that was planted in his heart. You're going to hear more from Dr. Alfonso Brown when we come back. Stay with us. Wandering the road of desperate life They must leave beneath the bed Hi, this is Danny Yamashiro. A police officer found a girl crying on the sidewalk one day. What's wrong, he asked. I'm lost, she said. Do you have your parents' phone number, he asked. No, she said. What about your address? No, she began to sob. Suddenly, she stopped, and her eyes brightened. What happened, the officer asked. I remember, she said. There's a church near my house, and at the top of the church, there's a cross. Take me to the cross. Take me to the cross, because when I see the cross, I'll be able to find my way home. My friend, if you feel like you've lost your way, turn to the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ, who died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. Will you turn to Jesus? Open your heart to Him and find your way home to God. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Dr. Alfonso Brown is an assistant professor and clinical researcher in gastroenterology at Harvard Medical School. He pursued his career as a medical doctor. Yes, became a gastroenterologist. But he never forgot where he came from. God planted an idea in his heart. The seed grew to teach the next generation of doctors that anything is possible. You can find out more about him at ICANPathwayToMedicineProgram.com. Dr. Brown, describe your path to medical school. Well, as I had mentioned, um, with the inspiration of my parents, um, and I'm sure now, as I look back, God's direction, um, I decided that I wanted to become a physician because this was going to be the best way that I could help individuals. And I had personal experience with it. Um, my mother, um, one of my siblings, his name was Mark, um, he died when I was six years old. And he died from complications associated with pneumonia, one of the hardest things that I think my parents had to experience was that my two younger siblings at that time, my brother Kenrick, whose birthday is today. <laughs> and, um, Happy birthday, Kenrick. Thank you. And my brother Mark, we had to leave them in Jamaica um, because my parents couldn't afford to take care of the four of us. And um, they stayed with my grandmother, who we used to visit um, occasionally. About two years after that, my brother Mark died from complications of pneumonia. He had had, um, I believe, Hirschsprung's disease, and I remember that he had a, an ostomy um, when he was younger, and um, oftentimes spent a lot of times going back and forth to the hospital. My mother didn't have a lot of information, and so she sort of just did what was told, and, and I'm, in retrospect, I'm not sure how relevant or appropriate some of the advice was, but eventually he died in Jamaica from complications associated with pneumonia, which... It's relatively easy to treat in the United States, 
but because my family was poor and didn't have the resources at that time, he he died. So that that inspired me to make sure that individuals who did not have resources would not have to suffer uh, a fate like that where they could lose a child. Uh, and, and that was one of the things. I looked at my community, uh, I saw where I thought I could help. And being a healthcare practitioner was the way that I decided I was going to do that. And I mentioned that I became a Christian at about 17. And something miraculous happened. God transformed my work ethic. I was always a good student in school, but he took it to another level. As uh, Harvard was and still is one of the hardest schools to get into. It was the top program in the, in the country at that time. And God gave me a vision that that was where I was going to go. I, I actually started school that summer in an early summer program. He said that um, um, I felt that he was leading me to go there. And I, I even told people, I verbalized, I said, that's where I'm going to be in four years, and I'm going to work towards getting that. And I did. I, I graduated, the I, well, the first two years in a class, I was the number one student, and then pushed myself and stayed very focused and it was the direction that I was getting at church. A church family developed almost out of nowhere, and they shepherded me. I didn't have a vehicle. They brought me to church every week. And as my faith grew, God opened up ways. Um, I remember one year in particular, I didn't have enough money to afford um, the board part of the room and board. So I, I took a job working washing dishes on campus because I would get breakfast and lunch and I did that, and my classmates would see me, and they said, oh, what are you doing back there washing the dishes? And I just said, oh, this is what I have to do, but it's okay. And then one day, uh, a gentleman came to the church, never met him before, and he, he was a millionaire, and he just gave $8,000 to me to pay for my, <laughs> I used that to pay for a board. I, I never saw him again, but he showed up that day. He gave the choir everyone money, but... um. I don't know. So as I look back at these things, I know this is my father fulfilling these promises again and and taking care of me. And even when I was working, I didn't feel bad about it. I did it because I knew that he had brought me here and he was going to provide the means. And if I had to work to do it, I would. Why gastroenterology? My uh, mentor, one of my first mentors, I had two of them, Scott Tenner, uh, who's a gastroenterologist in New York, and Peter Banks. Um, I wrote a paper, um, which actually ended up uh, being selected to give a national presentation, and they, they, they brought me there and showed me how to present before the national audience, and I was at the National Association of uh, Pancreas, and I used to go to that meeting. But even prior to that, um, when I was in college, I worked for two physicians, uh, Dr. Emil Poe, who I think is still in Albany, New York, and his wife, Dr. Thornton, who's a psychiatrist. And Dr. Poe had such a hands-on approach to his patients and the work that he did, I wanted to emulate him. Um, I saw him take care of his elderly patients. Remember, he walked one woman in the rain to the bus stop and waited till the bus got there. And uh, I never forgot that. He's a gastroenterologist, so that's where that came from. He was also a Christian, and I felt that the Lord was uh, showing me um, an emulate. Dr. Banks became my mentor 
during my residency, and he was a worldwide, he's a film professor at Harvard and worldwide reputation. And one of the first papers that we ever wrote together, which is now one of the standards of care for managing pancreatitis, I wrote with him and his direction. Um, so as I papers, I just want to share one little tidbit from that. Uh, due to the work and the teaching of Dr. Banks and Dr. Tenner and Dr. Paul, I, I wrote a paper <laughs> with, I mentored other students um, and doctors, and we wrote this paper that recently someone used to write their PhD thesis, and then a, a clinical trial now has just been done. This was 20 years ago. So I said this kid from Brooklyn again <laughs> wrote these papers, and um, because God put the right people in the right place at the right time to help me, I'm able to see these seeds that are planted now coming forward. In what ways does your faith shape your perceptions of your medical career? Well, that's a wonderful question, and the reason why I say that is because I'm reminded every day of how complex the human body is and the complexity of it. I, I read that Einstein, when he looked at our universe and the way that it's so coordinated, knew that there had to be a, a creator, and I, I realized that in evaluation of human disease in the human body. I see God in everything. If you read in Genesis, God says he created every creature to give rise to its own kind. Simple statements in the first chapter, the first book of the Bible. That was written thousands of years ago. And have you ever asked yourself, well, why is that the case? And I did. And God showed me that that was a description of DNA. DNA science was not <laughs> discovered until the 1950s, Watson Crick and they got the Nobel Prize for it. But God in his word thousands of years ago told man that there was a simple thing. Humans give rise to humans, cats to cats, dogs to dogs. And it took us thousands of years to figure it out. And the complexity and the marvel of it still astounds us to this day. So I'm humbled in my profession when I see how he's designed the human body that can repair itself um, if it's healthy, better than any surgeon. And he always teaches me to respect the craft, to honor the people he sends to me, and to, to treat them with love just like Jesus did. Uh, God's the master physician, so I'm just following in his tutelage. Following in his tutelage. What was the motivating factor in starting the I Can Pathway to Medicine program? Uh, that program I started along with my wife and another woman whose name is Shirley Ortiz. And we started it because we lived in a neighborhood where a young boy was shot to death, probably less than 500 feet away from where we live. And there had been several murders over the course of several years while we lived there. And we decided we wanted to do something different to help. So we created the program um, to provide um, teaching and um, mentorship to young kids from the community who wanted to pursue careers in the health sciences. But unlike other programs which I had taken part in, I wanted to make sure that these kids knew that we were going to work with them until they graduated and became healthcare professionals, and that's what I do. 
some of these kids that I work with now, I follow them for eight years, nine years, ten years. And I'm happy to say that through that work, that my wife, myself, and, and Mrs. Ortiz worked together. What is your wife's name? Oh, her name is Vera Pierce Brown. Vera Pierce Brown. Best friend, and we've worked together on a number of different things. She also helps me in the addiction clinic they work in as well. But it was that concept. And um, uh, I believe that that was sent again by our father. You know, a lot of the problems in our society are due to the fact that we don't talk to one another and we want instant change. I see the work that I'm doing with the students as change that's going to take place over decades. So if you want to change the face of medicine, um, if you want to, to give more of what God taught us, you teach the youth how to approach it, and then you wait for the seeds to mature. And I can tell you I've, I've worked with over 130 students, but probably less than 5% of them are now working actively in the healthcare field. One would look at that and say, oh, that's not great results, but I think it is because these were kids who just had a vision and a dream. And I realized that because what they're trying to do is so hard, that a lot of them are gonna fall by the wayside, just like the seeds that fall on the various types of ground. But even if you go and there's only one person there and they listen, then that one person can affect the world. I wanna hear about that one person more than one person. I want to hear about the 5%. There's probably something to say, too, Dr. Brown, about the others uh, who are in the 95% and how their lives have been enriched and focused or refocused in their following years post being a part of the, 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 the organized program of ICANN Pathway to Medicine program. When we come back from our break, you'll hear more from... Dr. Alfonso Brown at the ICANN Pathway to Medicine program that he founded. All enrolled students participate in an academic blueprint program. They are matched with mentors in their specified fields of interest. They are taught introductory clinical medicine with a case-based teaching methodology and are encouraged to conduct biomedical research and submit their studies to the ICANN Journal of biomedical research. Stay with us. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a program that was born out of prayer. The Spirit of Christ guides us through prayer, empowers us through prayer, and provides for us through prayer. There are mighty things that the Lord is doing in the Northeast, across the United States, and around the world. Would you like to be a part of God's work through The Good Life with Dr. Danny? Visit drdanny.live. Dr. Danny invites you to join his prayer team. Each month, you will receive a letter updating you on some of the behind-the-scenes developments, prayer requests, along with a devotional that Dr. Danny writes to encourage you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Join the prayer team today and make an eternal difference in people's lives. Visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny 
program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. So God plants the seed of a dream and over time it grows. As it grows, it moves in the heart of a man and a man to take steps with a team. His wife and another assistant who came together to start the I Can Pathway to Medicine program. In fact, you can find out more about Dr. Alfonso, Alfonso Brown's I Can Pathway to Medicine program at I Can Pathway to Medicine program.com. Again, I Can Pathway to Medicine program.com. What is the curriculum of the I Can Pathway to Medicine program? So the, the curriculum is based on the progression that a student would go through if they were going to medical school. In medical school, you learn about human anatomy. Um, you also learn about um, patient care. Um, uh, that's usually in the later years of medical school, at least where I, when I trained. And the goal was to try to simulate that. I also tried to set up patient experiences. And this was somewhat limited because these are um, students, many of them were um, high school, you know, and some even middle school students. But the curriculum was centered around trying to create those experiences. So I would go in and teach. Um, it was either every week or every other week. Um, when we got more students, more than one year, I would go in um, and teach two sets of classes, one right after the other. Uh, we would also encourage the students to conduct academic research, and, and the um, Harvard has a program um, which focuses on clinical research and introducing um, students to uh, careers in clinical research. Um, it's called the CURE program, and it's run by um, Ms. Karen White. That's with the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. And we would invite Mrs. White to speak to our students um, to encourage them to apply. We also uh, would prep them because it's a very rigorous application process um, as well. I also uh, connected the students. I mentored them and connected them with additional mentors, both students who are more advanced in the program and individuals within the hospital. Right now, um, one of my students who I'm very proud of um, has done tremendous work, and he's working in our Department of Surgery at Cambridge Health Alliance with um, one of my colleagues, Dr. Erica Fellinger. Uh, he had a specific interest in conducting uh, work in the area of general surgery, and he's, he's doing a lot. Before that, he'd uh, done volunteer work in Africa and South and Central America. He's currently working in Cambridge uh, with a clinical research group near MIT, and uh, this was a student who, when he came here, <laughs> could barely speak English. This was about eight years ago. Uh, we have about other students which were Gates Millennium Scholars. It's a very competitive program. Um, one of our students, Eddie DeGrasse, who now works, I believe it's in physical therapy within the community, was a, a recipient of the Gates Millennium Scholarship, and he got a full ride to uh, Boston College. We have another student um, uh, who is currently at the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons. Um, this is in Ireland. She's from Ireland, so she chose to go back there. But she could have um, actually had a sort of 4.0 average in college and had done amazing amazing things. So she will be graduating within, I think, the next year and a half. Um, our first medical doctor um, graduated um, as a podiatry, um, as a podiatrist. 
and I think they're out in Ohio right now. Um, we also have a student who's about to graduate from Tufts School of Dental Medicine, numerous um, nurse practitioners and nurses, and even another young gentleman who um, has worked his way up through the ranks of the um, EMT services here in Boston is a high-ranking position. So every year, the fruits of what we sowed eight-plus years ago um, continue to manifest themselves. How do you find students for your program? So what happened is initially my wife and, and my colleague, uh, we would go out to the local high schools, tell them about what we were doing. And um, in one school in particular, um, the Jeremiah Burke School, which is a local school in our community, which was very dear to us because in the past they'd had some problems with, you know, um, just things in the environment and the community, but they sent us some amazing students. Um, the student I mentioned, his name is Yannick, he, he went there. Um, and Alta Almeida was a woman who I worked with there, and she would um, send us students. We worked with another school, Crystal Ray, which is one of the Catholic um, archdiocese-sponsored schools, and they would send us students each year. And as the word got around about what we were doing, they, we kept getting students. So we would interview the students to make sure that they were focused. The program was entirely free. Um, we were able to get some grant support, so we had a mannequin, and we had teaching materials. Um, one of the most touching things to me was we had a young gentleman who was from Sudan. He'd fled war there, and he wanted to be a surgeon. And I used to teach the kids how to do suturing by making an orange and having them suture an orange, and we taught them various surgical ties and things like that. And one of my jobs at CHA is that I, I, um, I train surgeons in advanced endoscopic techniques. So some of the surgical trainees, when they heard about the program and today they've trained over 100 of them, they started to come and talk to our students. Um, and so it was tremendous because the students were meeting actual practicing physicians in addition to myself. And these surgeons were taking their time to come out and work with our students as well. Describe how you've seen countenance, posture of students change by becoming part of the program and exposed to the level of professionalism, mentorship, and care that you're providing? Well, to be honest with you, um, this is, again, one of the ways that I have to thank my father, because my Heavenly Father, um, I'm amazed at the transformation the students undergo. They, they come back, they're so professional, so focused there. Not that they weren't that way when I met them, but they're entirely different. The vision, the transformation has occurred, and they are work welcomed into the profession in terms of what they do. Um, I've been impressed. Um, um, one of my students, I was told that he met with the chief of surgery at my hospital, and they were so impressed with him, they're working out plans and programs for him to do to do work there. And um, Karen Burns-White, who would come every year to speak to us, Dr. Sheila Nutt, who was at Harvard Medical School, and various groups would come and talk with us. Uh, and I was just so thankful because they saw the changes that were occurring in the students as well. It's an amazing thing when you can take someone who society might have written off and said that there's no way they could do that 
and you see the power of God work through them, and they become that thing. And and God has given me that ability now. Um, it always was there, but when I look at individuals, I don't see what's before me. I see what they are going to become through God, through the work, and I I, I credit my Heavenly Father for that because I know that's what he does and Jesus does with us. Why do you believe the program is important now more than ever? I think it's important now because I think that when I think of what I'm trying to accomplish, my wife and when we talked about this, we're trying to change the future by showing what happens when people work together. The greatest thing in giving is, you know, everyone wants blessings from God, but I realize that in order for God to put a blessing in your hand, your hand has to be in the same position it's in when you give something to someone else. And only God can change the hearts, but a lot of individuals are affected by the fact that they see somebody who really cares. And if you're patient, and you realize that God will make the changes when you show up and you win the trust of the students you work with, um, then you will see the fruit. Um, when we first started, they were excited about the work we was doing at my hospital. And they were talking about having groups, uh, news, NBC, come out. And I, I told them, no, um, we didn't want that because we hadn't done anything yet. And our father would show the light in the time when it came. And I truly believe the way that we change the world is to show how um, we strengthen one another when we give and work together in unity. Every man remembers the last thing Jesus said when he died. He was finished. But the longest prayer, or one of the longest prayers that he, he gave that was recorded, was his prayer of unity, his prayer for the disciples and his prayer that God would protect them and help them while he, when he departed. And he also prayed that they would work together the way that he, the Father, and Jesus, and the Spirit of God worked together. And the only place in the Bible that I've ever been able to find where God was concerned about the actions of men so that he had to come down and intervene himself was when they were building the Tower of Babel. And God said that they're working together and there's nothing that they won't be able to accomplish if they do that. So I believe um, the light that he's put in all of us, when we realize what our gift is, our job's not to make ourselves grand with the gift. Our job is to give the gift back. Uh, the father of lights and the giver of all great gifts will then return the gift after it's done what it's supposed to accomplish. And we're just the vessels to do that. So that's why we work. Just the vessels, says Dr. Alfonso Brown, a vessel, indeed, a faithful vessel. You know, the Lord, when he was young, the Lord gave him a, a supernatural grace. It was a, a work ethic. It was a work ethic like, like, like none other. And he took that as a gift from the Lord and has worked, worked his way set the goal, saw the vision from the Lord, Harvard Medical School, worked towards that, and he was there. And is still there. He's an assistant professor of medicine 
and clinical researcher in gastroenterology at Harvard Medical School. When we come back from our break in our final segment with Dr. Alfonso Brown, how has the Lord helped him through difficult times? What would the Lord prompt him to say to someone who's going through a difficult time, someone struggling in this moment, and even, dear friend, a time of prayer? time of prayer for you. You can find out more about ICANN Pathway to Medicine program at ICANNPathwayToMedicineProgram.com. Stay with us. Wandering the road of desperate life Famously beneath the barren sky James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. May Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A Electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team. That's drdanny.live. Thank you. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Gastroenterologist Dr. Alfonso Brown has worked closely with the Faith-Based Cancer Disparities Network. Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center is a founding partner in collaboration with the Dana-Farber Harvard Cancer Center the Black Ministerial Alliance, and the Cancer American Cancer Center working to eliminate the unequal burden of cancer in communities of color. You're listening to the Good Life program. I'm grateful that you're with us, and we are privileged to share in this time together with Dr. Alfonso Brown. Dr. Brown, how has the Lord helped you through difficult times? Well, what the Lord showed me, um, that has shown me throughout my entire life, is that he's always there and that he 100% is faithful to his word. And he's shown me that the manifestations of his word not only occur in the reading, but it's also the people who show up during difficult times, the memories he'll bring, the circumstances that he'll create. And he's never, ever failed me. One of the ways in which he's done this, I I went through a divorce uh, about 20 years ago now, and and, um, I'm sorry, about (laughs) 15 years ago now. And it was the hardest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Um, I still don't really understand in my mind all the details of what happened, but I realized quickly that my work wasn't over. Um, And one of the things I've strived to maintain was the relationship with my children, my family, um, and even with my ex-wife in terms of how um, I need to approach um, going forward. Children need a father present in their life, 
Um, a lot of the problems in our society today are associated with the breakdown of the family. And I didn't want to become one of those statistics. And initially I felt like God was angry at me and he hated me, that I'd failed him. He'd given me all these blessings and I couldn't work to keep the marriage together. Uh, he eventually showed me that I can't change the past except to change the future and that's the way I create a new past that will strengthen and I should learn. And that's what I've done. Um, the work that I do with cancer disparities is because I had an uncle who died from cancer uh, and at the time he didn't have insurance. So my mentor, Scott Tenner, again, I had to ask him to help um, with that diagnosis. Um, and he made the diagnosis for my uncle. And I helped to work with him uh, as best as we could to try to, to get the guidance and the information that he needed. He eventually died from his illness, but that was something that struck with me. So in a country as great as ours, we should all have access to early diagnosis and cancer care. The other thing that I spend most of my time doing is I, I take care of patients who are recovering from addiction. And this was directly from my experience in New York at the time I became a Christian. Crack cocaine destroyed many families, and including my own. It, it affected us directly as well. And I prayed to God that he would give me an opportunity to address that. Um, I worked in a lab, and, and I didn't know it at that time. The two doctors I worked with were developing a treatment called Suboxone, which is now how we treat a lot of patients who are recovering from addiction. 20-plus years later, the Lord introduced me to some gentlemen who I started working with. And the beautiful thing about this job is I, I know it's from my father because every week patients come into me, and I don't even have to, to preach about my faith. I just I take care of them. But they're so happy to be in recovery and to change their lives that God's blessings come out. And I've seen God do amazing things. I had a patient who had, didn't even have enough money to afford a $500 truck. He now makes a six-figure salary with Amtrak. I've had patients who have problems with the law, and God has blessed them so that the police officers who used to arrest them, one patient needed a car. He loaned him his car for as long as he needed the police officer. God has provided housing. Uh, there have been patients who have died, but he's shown me in this renewal of the human spirit that I see every single week that we need to be servants, and especially servants to those that society casts off. When I was younger, I wanted to do three things. One was I wanted to start a school, teach medicine. Two was I wanted to address this issue <laughs> with the influence of drugs on my community. The third one is to serve, um, and I envision a, a way in which in the future uh, because when I go to my country, a lot of times the people who live there can't afford to go to fancy hotels. And I believe one day God is going to bless me with the opportunity to provide a service where people can go and enjoy those types of luxuries and be served by the wealthy people who normally are there. And the only thing they'll have to commit is just helping others within the community. Uh, it seems off, but I don't know why. I've had that vision for 20-plus years and I, I envision a church there, a baptismal service, and, and nearby the beach. But I've seen two of 
the, the things God brought to me as a youth manifested. And I now know when I look back at my training, that was why he did all of that, so that I could be here to do those things. A word of encouragement yes. to someone who is experiencing some bumps in the road. I would say I think a lot of times when we read the Bible, the words sound um, great. But the most important thing um, with faith or belief is the action part. If you think of it as a mathematical equation, in order to create a reality, it's not only believing something, it's not thinking something alone, but it's actually doing. And uh, I, I want to let folks know that no matter how bleak it gets, the beauty of having a Christian life is that God is always with you. And I've learned to look for him in everything. I see him right now as I'm sitting across from you, Doctor. And I, I realize that he brought me here. I, I don't ask for any platforms. I've lived long enough to... The only thing I want to do now is to bring glory to his work and to bless his creation. That's what he asked me to do. And then he's so beautiful that he always turns around and holds up those who are doing his work. So I found in my darkest, deepest times, which I go through even now, that I always have him to turn to and he will always send something or do something, if it's the word or it's a physical act or it's a memory he brings back or it's the kind smile of my parents who remind me why I'm here. Um, and as long as we trust in him, he has never, ever, ever failed me. You see, when I was younger, I didn't understand why these my brothers and sisters were crying because I didn't really do, I'd never been involved with the law. I didn't do any crime, anything like that. It was God who showed me that he, his son paid a price for me that I could never repay. And the greatest way I could honor him, it's just like the greatest way we can honor our parents, is by living out this life in a way that honors their sacrifice. And that's what I chose to do for Jesus. And it took him many years to show me that. A prayer. Yes. Would you pray for our dear listener, a prayer of blessing, healing, a prayer of uplift and encouragement, please. Yes. Um, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you through the power of your Spirit and in the name of your blessed and holy Son, my Master, the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for who's ever listening out there today that you will bless their ears for listening and bless their hearts, O oh God. I know that the words that I have spoken and my generous hosts have spoken, they're blessed by your Spirit, O oh Lord, and as you said in your word, your words will not come back to you void. So I pray that their hearts can be uplifted. If they were searching for something today, that the words can provide hope, uh, it can provide kindness, and it can provide purpose and direction. Father, let them understand that there are no wasted events with you. That is why you created every single one of us as a unique human being who will only be here once for a short period of time because we all have a focus and a job and a goal. And I, Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak here. You know my heart, Lord. 
I'm just uh, a young kid who, who learned your invisible hand was always in my life. And now as a man, I have the opportunity to look back and thank you, thank my parents, thank all the people who have helped me uh, to in turn now turn around and show your love to them. And that's what I pray for our listeners today. Oh, Lord, if there's any that are looking for you, that think that believing in you is a fad, let them see that this is real. It's about a relationship, a long-term relationship, an intimate relationship that cuts through the soul, the spirit, and the being so that we might rise up and not only live out our lives here in fullness and in blessing to others, but also live out eternity with you. I thank you, Father, for this time today. I pray that the words that I've said will go out and they will help. That's all I ask. And I thank you again for the precious sacrifice of your son. I thank you for the Holy Spirit which guides and teaches me every day. And I thank you for my blessed hosts and the radio station for having me here today and for giving a voice only, Lord, to bring glory to your name. I, I can't accept any of the credit for anything that's done because these are your programs, these are your ideas, and I am the vessel that you work through. And I accept that willingly, Father, and I praise your Son for the beauty of the relationship with you. I thank you in Jesus' name and by the power of the Spirit. Glory be to you, God. I lay my crown at your feet, my gifts, my ideals, and I pray that they can work for the glory of you, the glory of your body, the church, and the glory of your kingdom, of oh God. Amen. 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 Crowns left at the feet of Jesus. All glory to God. Dr. Alfonso Brown, thank you for that. Thank you. Prayer, Amen. your heart, the reminder for the grace of your presence today. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Alfonso Brown, I can pathway to medicine program.com. Dear friend, God's timing is perfect and there's no better time than right now to share the love of jesus with someone near you and if you haven't done so look we believe this might be the perfect moment for you to open your heart to christ go to drdanny.live for more resources to join our prayer team or partner with us financially again drdanny.live and i thank you in advance proverbs 13 verse 20 walk with the wise and become wise it's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Dr. Alfonso Brown, ICANN Pathway to Medicine Program.com. Until next time, along with my producer David Nasora, Creative Director Brian Torres, web designer Shina Kusumoto, and guest coordinator Jan Yi. I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember, the Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with someone today. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of The Good Life with Dr. Danny. We hope that today's program has been a blessing for you and that you may find hope in hearing how God's Word affects people from all walks of life. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a listener-supported program, and we'd like for you to prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor or donor. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. Be sure to tune in weekdays at 6 p.m. to hear The Good Life with Dr. Danny. 
Until next time, may God richly bless you with the good life.